honey can't buy you love. It can buy you a lot of things, but it can't buy you love. And it can't buy your way into heaven. No matter what you do, what you give, you're not going to get into heaven by hard works or throwing money at it. There are some, some truths that we need to explore this morning. And the first one is doing good doesn't mean you are good. Okay? Good works won't get you into heaven. Good works or hard work will shape you but will not save you. And nothing you do will or can earn the love of Christ. It is a gift. Go. Now, by a show of hands, who wants to go to hell? No one wants to go there. And I don't understand if no one raised their hands, why do we have all these theories and strategies on how to avoid hell where there's only one way to do it. Some of you have even got a timeline. I'll give my heart to God then. I've got to do this or fix that. Or when I'm sick one day, I'll make right with Jesus. Or just before my lights go out, I'll say a quick little prayer. Okay? And we live with these theories and strategies on how to avoid hell, but we don't realize the world is lying to us. You can't buy love. You can't plan for His love. It is a free gift. You've got to take it. That is what keeps you out of, out of hell. And then you've got to start living it. One day might be today. How do you know? We can't plan. I, I was so impressed with Harvey yesterday. We were at the SWD MCA meeting and talking about a biker who had passed on. And he said, you don't know when it's your last day. You don't know when it's your last breath. Make right now. Don't live the what-ifs. Some of the bikers like just put their heads down and the others like, mm, good point. Good point's not going to get you into heaven. Doing something about the good point will. You see, some of us believe if I call on the name of Jesus, that's all I need. And that is true. But, and we're going to look at the but. All I need is to be a good person. But then we've got our idea of what good person is. And all I need is to believe that God loves everyone and won't send anyone to hell. Well, he won't send you, but he's going to honor the choice you made. So, some of us believe that it's easier to believe these things than it is to live for Christ. Because you think when you're in a relationship with Jesus, you've got this rule book, and you've got to do A, B, C, and D. You've got to be like this one. You've got to be like that person. You can't do this. You can't be who you are. You can't, you can't, you can't, and the world's lying to you, and you're falling for it because you're confusing yourself and you're confusing other people just as much. Let me tell you how simple it is. You can't buy love, but you can accept it. And it's in accepting the love that your freedom will come. If you accept God's love through Jesus, that's part one. Okay? Part one. You accept God's love through Jesus. Most people don't ever get past part one. Part two is now allowing that love to change you. And it's often the part we battle with. I don't want to change. 
because I might need to leave some people. I might need to stop doing these things. And you might. Who knows? Our job as a church is to get you to belong. That's all. We have to love you so you feel you can come here, you belong here. Jesus will get you to believe. And then he'll get you to behave the way he wants you to behave. It's not up to us. I can't give you a list. You must do A, B, C, and D. You can no longer wear red shoes because it's unbiblical. You can't comb your hair in a side part. Well, I can't comb my hair in a side part. Full stop. I don't have hair. But you can't make up all of these rules and things and impart it to or, or impress it on other people. All you've got to do is accept God's love and let Him change you. And He'll change you according to His will and according to your needs. We aren't all the same. We'll all become the same one day. But until then, he works in you as an individual. So don't let any pastor, any friend, any believer tell you, you must do A, B, and C. You've got to receive his love and allow his love to change you. You've got to be obedient, yes. But when you're obedient, you will notice there's a lot of blessing. But in Romans 12, 1, 2, uh, Romans 12, verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this is the problem. You see, our heart, we, 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 we make the, um, the statement that our heart is where the love of God sits, which is true, okay? But it's not a heart shape like this. You all know that by now. Um, but once your heart has received His love, You've got to let your mind be changed because you are led by your head and not by your heart. When your heart is supposed to influence your head and that is when the change comes. So you must allow, allow the love of God into your heart and let it filter to your head. So you're not le uh, led around by your head but your heart dictates who you are and what you're busy becoming. And that's as easy as making a decision. I love you, Lord. Thank you for dying for me, for forgiving my sins. Now I give you permission to change me by your love. That's how simple it is. And you don't have to, like I said, be like anyone or anything. You don't have to be a particular type of person. You don't even have to be a particular type of color. You don't have to be a particular type of economic status. You've got to be open to God's love. He's not concerned about where you live and what you ride and what color you are and all this other nonsense that we put in place. He simply wants hearts that are open to you. Because there's consequences, people. There's consequences if we don't open ourselves to his love. For example, Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a gift. You've got to open it. Okay? It's been placed in front of everybody. you just got to open it. It is a glorious gift. It is free of charge. It is mahala. He paid the price for your gift. All you've got to do is say, Lord, I take what you're giving me. I take it. And today... I want to open that, and I want to peer inside, and I want to make what is inside my own. Your love becoming me, Lord. That's what I want.
in Ephesians 4 verse 2, uh, Ephesians 2 verse 8, it says, For it is by grace, not something you've earned, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself, it's the gift of God. And some of you might say, okay, so I've been saved by grace because of faith. I don't have faith. Is Jesus real? Did he die for you? You got faith. Do you know how big that statement is? Is Jesus real? Did he die for, for me? If you said yes, you've got faith because you're believing in something that is unseen but something that is experienced. So you have got faith. You've got it. Now you've got to put it into practice and take that gift of God. It's simple, people. It's one little prayer that will change your life. It is one decision that revolutionizes who you are. It has a knock-on effect. It impacts people that you care for, you love. It impacts you. It changes who you are over time. But it starts with a decision to accept God's love. You've just said you've got faith. But you have guts to open that gift this morning. Because it takes a man and a woman, a real man and a real woman, to open the gift and to start living what is in the box. And all that's in there is his unabounding, or his abounding love, sorry, his unblemished abounding love for you. All you've got to do is unwrap it, open it, and take it to you. And let it become part of you. Do you want to say that prayer? Do you want to close your eyes? Let's close our eyes quickly. And if you've never accepted this love this morning, I'm going to ask you just to say this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, Thank you for loving me. This morning, on the 4th of August, 2019, I accept your love. And I thank you for forgiving my sins. And I pray that your love now begins to transform me. I welcome you into my life. I pray this in your mighty name. Amen. If that was the first time you've ever prayed it, expect change. If that was the second, the third, or the fourth, or the fifth time that you've prayed that over the course of your life, ach, for jimmels, for heaven's sake, how do you say for heaven's sake in Afrikaans? Man, voortbakke! You can't carry on saying the prayer of repentance because you can say it a thousand times. It's not going to change you or change anything until you start living out what you're praying and you become the love of Christ. You let His love transform you and change you. We've got too many Christians walking around that have only ever said, Jesus, hello. Not Jesus, live in me and live through me because then you become a believer and then you're different 
then things are going to change. And I don't know about you, but we've got to go deeper than we are now. Ons is baie oppervlakkig, we're very shallow when it comes to our love for Christ. And everyone in the world can say the prayer of repentance. The whole world. If all of you prayed the prayer of repentance this morning, hallelujah. But it's not going to change anything out there. It's only people who are transformed by God's love that become effective believers and touch other people. Who remembers the Bee Gees? Okay. And they had a couple of good songs. One of them is, How Deep Is Your Love? Now, I can't sing that high. But how deep is your love? I don't know. So, how deep is your love? You see, like I said, a lot of us have got the superficial love. And it remains superficial because we are unwilling to let go of certain things or certain mindsets in our life. One of the things that we do is, once we've said the prayer of repentance, the sinner's prayer, as they call it, we still hold on to some sins or some habits in our life, okay? Now, I don't know about you, but if you do that, you're limiting the impact of the cross of Christ. If you're holding on to anything that is not of him, you're limiting the impact of the, of the cost that he paid for the cross, okay? You need to let go of certain things, and you need to let go of sin. You know what John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus coming, he looked up, well, I assume he looked up because he was busy baptizing people. He must have seen Jesus coming. And he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Okay? The Lamb of God who takes away. So he's taken it away. So stop going to fetch it. Because when you said the prayer, you gave it to him. And he took it away. And now you spend the rest of your days walking. Was my sonder. I love this one. I love that one. Where is it? And Jesus has taken it away. And you're putting it all back on. And you're negating the fact that your life was changed for a moment. And you've gone back to who you were. And then you get these believers. These Christians who now said the sinner's prayer. And the first thing they say thereafter. Whoo! We're living in the end times. Oh, Lord, please come. Lord, the time is near. And we tell other believers, get ready. Jesus is coming. And this is the end times. And look at these things all around us. And these things around us are terrible. And we, we are so focused on him coming, we're forgetting to love other people. And we become very self-centered. Because it's all about Jesus coming back because I'm ready. But most of the world isn't ready. Basically, what you're saying is, to heaven with me, to hell with everyone else. We need to change, people. We need to let the love change us so we can love other people. That is the purpose of giving your heart to Jesus, so that his love can transform you so you can love other people. And as long as we're not loving other people, we're not doing what Jesus asks of us. So how deep is your love? Because what you also do, you pray, Lord, please give me another job. 
I can't work with those people. They are godless bunch. Or you say, I'm not going to that church because so-and-so is there. I'm not going to those people's house because I don't like someone else who will be there. They just push my buttons, Lord. You know what? I can't stand people who smoke, Lord. They push my buttons. I can't stand people who dress different to I do. They push my buttons. I don't like people, Lord, who do drugs because they push my buttons. I don't like the homeless, Lord. They push my buttons. And Jesus is saying to you, if you're filled with my love, go buttonless. Stop your preconceptions about other people. You're supposed to be loved wherever you go and love people irrespective of what you think or what you feel. You should go buttonless. Remove the buttons. We're supposed to love people. Some make it really difficult. I know that. But we're not asked to like them. We're asked to love them and to be Jesus unto them. Maybe we don't do all of this stuff and Maybe it's because we're not grateful, but we're actually hateful. We're not grateful for what Jesus has done for us and what he's doing in us. And our gratefulness is actually negated. And if we want to be honest with ourselves, we, we're hateful. We don't really love other people. So what is the purpose of being saved then? So you can get into heaven or so that you can love others? It's to love others. Maybe you don't understand the depth of the love. And last week we used the scripture from Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. Let me just check. Are you glad you came this morning? Are some of you... Yes, I wish I didn't hear this because now I've got no more excuses. Okay, we'll see if you're happy about this afterwards. And if you're back next week for part three, which I think is, Stop in the name of love. I think. <laughs> it is that one, huh? Yeah. Must be the shirt. <laughs> so in Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, uh, no, to 19, sorry, we said it is written like this. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner being. Okay? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power with, together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, that he may strengthen you, that he may dwell in your hearts, that he may root you and establish you in love, that you may be filled to the with the measure. What's that measure? With love. You may be filled with love. It's like a mushy, eh, guys? Huh? But this is Jesus. He loves, and he wants you to be open to that love. But you need to grasp it, and you need to start living it. You need to take hold of it. Take hold of what is done, and go live that out. Then it doesn't become what he said, and she said, and he did, and she did. It comes about what Jesus did, 
and what God has said. And that is when the change comes. Paul Collins said, you can't hurry love. Everyone knows that song. I'm not going to sing that. I'll make a fool of myself again. But the words go, my mama said, you can't hurry love. No, you'll just have to wait. She says, love don't come easy. It's a game of give and take. Phil and his mama were wrong. We need to hurry love. Phil and his mama and thinking straight. We need to hurry love because the, 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 the less love there is out there, the fewer people that are changing. And we're busy losing people. We're busy losing ground. We hear this one died, that one died, and so on. And they don't know Christ because Christ's people aren't doing Christ's work in the lives of these people. We've got to hurry love. We've got to get into love. We've got to feast on love so we can be love and we can share love. We've got to hurry up. How do you hurry up? How do you hurry love? You get into the Word of God. You get to hang out with the people of God. You come to church. You serve where you can. You love people on the streets. You get a heart for people and you get a heart for Christ will enable you to have a heart for people. Bikers do fantastically good works. We probably do more good for, for, um, than most organizations. But good works aren't going to get us into heaven. We've got to take those good works, put a bit of Christ's love with it, and go and be to people what they need, which is Jesus Christ. We are good at what we do, but we can be better. And we've got to hurry love. You see, at the beginning we said, good works won't get you into heaven. But when heaven is in you, then good works have to flow out of you because that's how it works. In James 2, 14 to 18, it says, What good is it, my brothers and my sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such a faith save them? Ooh, this is how the good is. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. You see, we've got to be people of action. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You see, my love has to result in something. Loving other people, doing good works. Because now I'm not wanting to get into heaven, but I've got heaven in me. And that is what's affecting my life and the way I go about doing life. I will step into my faith and I will live life through my faith. I will serve. I will love. I will teach. And I will be taught because of love. Good works, driven by God's love, is the tool God uses to reach people. And I can bet you 95% of you were touched by Christ because of the good works of other people. People who loved you, people who served you, people who reached out to you, people who taught you. You were touched by someone's good works. And what God is asking of us 
is to put ourselves in a position so he can do good works in love through us. If you make the mistake of putting yourself above anybody else, that is idolatry. You're worshipping yourself. You think you're better than them. That is not in God's word. We've got to become less so he can become more. And we've got to start loving God's people because we need to hurry love. We are running out of time. I'm not saying the end is coming, but I'm saying the end for some people may come before we reach them. And we've got to get onto this, this love boat and we've got to start changing people. We've got to start loving them because God loved us. As the praise and worship team comes back, you know what our, our, our values are in this church. We are found in Christ. We spoke about that last week. We get formed in community, and God is busy forming us now. Okay? He's busy shaping us, and He's going to shape us for the next few weeks so we can become fruitful in the world. It doesn't help. We've got everything that God has made available, but we don't share it with anybody. We've got to become effective. You can't call yourself a believer if you only believe for yourself. You've got to believe that God's love can change others and you've got to be willing to be used by God as an agent of change. Am I talking to the right people this morning? I know bikers do good deeds. I know we've got fantastic people in this church doing exceedingly abundantly. In fact, you'd see this beautiful little uptuck we've put up outside. Do you know who put that up? Two gentlemen in excess of 70 years old. They were personal friends with the Beatles. <laughs> because good works flowed through their love. And they did it for you, not for the building. You see, they've taken something little and made it figurative. They lived it out. They touched people. Small things making a big difference. You can be the same. You don't have to wait until God eventually moves you. He moved on the cross so you could be moved into action today. You just got to choose to let God's love flow through you. If you make that choice, then we got to see something by the way you live. Something's got to change. We sang in the beginning, Jesus made you ready so long ago. Now you got to take action. You got to go out and touch his people. Let's close our eyes. Thank you, Lord, that we can come before you and we can hear fundamental truths of what you expect of us, Lord God. Not because of who we are, but because of what you have done, Lord. And might that settle on our hearts this morning, what you have done for each one of us. But also, Lord, rise up an expectation in us to be used by you, and grant every single person here the opportunity in the coming days to be Jesus to someone else and give them the courage they need to stand up and to be different to what they were before they came in here, to actually reach out and touch other people because of your love for them and your love that's now flowing through them. I thank you, Lord, that there will be a mighty change in these lives, a mighty change in our homes represented here, and a mighty change in the towns and the cities we come from. All the glory to you, Lord, because you first loved 
we are able to be loved. And we honor you and we glorify your name for that. Amen.